Hi, welcome to Offscript, the home of bold cinema. I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Today on the show, we'll be discussing the new star-studded heist film, Ocean's 8, and A24's latest jump into horror with Hereditary. But first, the news, Jared Leto to star in a standalone Joker movie. Uh, and you're a DC Comics fan. What is it? What is this? Uh, okay, so <laughs> DC, in an effort to try to... <laughs> it's a solid start. Uh, okay. DC, in an effort to try to expand their properties and make a decent movie, are doing actually several Joker movies, and one of them is going to star uh, Jared Leto and his version of the Joker, which we saw in Suicide Squad. Um, there's also one being made with, uh, not River Phoenix, Joaquin Phoenix, mm. um, which is going to be an origins story, quote-unquote origins story. Um, and I think there's even more. There's like three or four Joker films in the works. But this is uh, well, the first time it's been confirmed uh, to see Jared Leto back in. Um, his character was severely underutilized in Suicide Squad. Um, so I'm not particularly excited about it. But it um, it could be interesting. There, there's potential there. And I would like to see his character fleshed out a little bit more. I regret that I still haven't seen Suicide Squad to talk about this more. Mm-hmm. Because I haven't. Um I, I I think the idea of multiple Joker movies is dangerous. Like, why? Uh, I, I, I think the idea of using multiple actors and using the one that's supposed to be Joaquin Phoenix, having that be separate from the DC Cinematic Universe is confusing. Like, this seems like a distinct lack of direction on DC's part. I feel like they are afraid to, to expand and explore other characters and other properties. It seems like they're very much married to the Batman franchise and the big characters from, I mean, cause there's other smaller characters that we, I mean, we haven't seen, I know it's, it's um, kind of not, it's not well liked, but we haven't seen a Robin <laughs> no. in the movie. And no, like, we haven't. and like the, the relationship between Batman and Dick Grayson or the other Robins is very important and very kind of crucial in the comics. And we just, it, it seems like because of how bad the 1997 version was, they're afraid to ever kind of bring that out again. Yeah, it's like they're 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 afraid of of, of skipping, or rather, they're too quick to skip steps because they're afraid of taking their time and plotting it out. And you'd think people who write comics like DC do would know it's worth taking the time, but I, I guess they want to catch up to Marvel and and Warner Brothers has got a bottom line. It is what it is. One thing that Marvel does really well is. Is how they've introduced new characters and then explored them. Black Panther's a perfect example. We saw him first in Civil War, and then he got his own solo movie. Right. So we explored him more. So that was a great way to introduce a character that no one really knew about and really flesh them out. And d- that's what I think DC needs to do. Like, I would love to see, you know, Swamp Thing. Right. <laughs> or just, like, something new. Well, that's what they tried to do with Joker, right? Oh, here he is in Suicide Squad, and wait till next summer, and you can get the whole thing, I guess, right? So, so since you haven't seen it, uh, the the main issue is that he is in the film startlingly little. Right. He's And uh, Jared Little was actually really upset on how little screen time. And, I mean, he's, he's just there to be the Joker. He's kind of not inconsequential to the plot. Right. So... This might be a chance for Jared Leto to really get into the character again and really give a great performance. It's maybe. tough to imagine, to me, what a Joker movie even looks like. The closest I'd say we've had so far, aside from Tim Burton's Batman, like back in 89, was like The Dark Knight, right? Those, those, right. those are as close as we've gotten to a Joker movie. And, and those both did a great job of playing Joker because they don't, 
really show how he gets around, right? They don't really show how he makes all of these these things happen. Like, the puzzle pieces just seem to fall into place as Batman uncovers them. Right. And that keeps Joker suspended in mystery, and that's important. I, I, I worry making a movie like this and just throwing them out there in front of everybody. It's like, I don't, I don't know what exactly you're going for. Yeah, I don't know if there's actually enough to, for him to have his own film because he, he only works kind of in conjunction with other villains or other heroes. Right. So part of his character is being in the shadows. Right. And, and if you bring that all out in the light, I don't know what happens, but maybe that's the change up they're going for. Uh, speaking of change up in movies, uh, I want to make sure I got this right. Donald Glover reportedly on shortlist to star as Willy Wonka in new film for Warner brothers. Uh, Donald Glover as Willy Wonka. So it seems like it's really soon after the previous uh, Willy Wonka film, which uh, was a while back. But you're yeah, right; it's farther back than I than I yeah, think. Tim Burton, because uh, I'm getting old. But uh, yes, Willy Wonka. Um, I mean, I, I feel like Donald Glover can really do anything at this point. Sure, I mean, he's like actor, rapper, musician. Like he can comedian. He can do it all. Yeah. Uh, so if anyone can pull it off, it's him. Uh, it's interesting to to also add Ezra Miller is also. Um, in the running for that role. And our boy Ryan Gosling. Uh, to be fair for anybody wondering how a young person can play Willy Wonka, uh, this is supposed to be a Wonka origin story, right? Young Willy oh, Wonka. Right. Oh. Before he comes into owning his big factory. And I, 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 I've already got money on it that it's just <laughs> called Wonka, and that's the title. <laughs> like, why? What, what else would it be, right? How, how better do you say Willy Wonka without people thinking it's Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory? You just call it Wonka, and that's it. Like, that's that's the word we know. That's the one that's on the box of nerds. Like, that's the name. I feel like if you call that's it that, it has to be a dark and gritty remake. Ooh, who better than Tom Glover? With, with the Hurt or soundtrack the, playing over it. Ezra Miller, it, the Logan approach, right. sure. Um, I, yeah, I think it can be cool. I really do. I, I, w- I was wary of this at first only because I thought at the end of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, Wonka gives Charlie the factory because he's old and can't do it anymore. And Donald Glover is not an old dude. That wouldn't work. But if it's supposed to be like a young up and coming, I'm into it. I am. Um, so, yeah. Ooh, maybe we'll learn where he gets the Oompa Loompas from. Perhaps we'll learn where he gets the Oompa. I think, I think they did that in the Tim Burton one, but it was stupid and it was like the jungles of Borneo or something. I don't, I don't remember. Uh, the last story of the show, Jeremy Renner's arms in tag are made of CGI because he broke them during filming. First Henry Cavill's mustache, now Jeremy Renner's arms. What's next? Well, uh, to give a little bit more insight on the story, I think it was like the third day of shooting. Um, he had some sort of fall or something and broke completely broke both his arms, right. needed casts on both of them. Um, and so they just CGI'd, you know, over them so his arms looked normal. But, yeah, apparently his arms were broken through the entire shoot pretty <laughs> much. Green casts, yeah, and then just CGI'd those out. Those out. It, Don Draper. Don Draper. Um, oh, my God. His name's not John Draper. John, John Hamm, Hamm said in an interview, his arms snapped like matchsticks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the shade. Uh, the shade. Um, yeah, I, I, um, I don't really have a lot to say about this other than, like, I think people, like, have... I, I worry people can greatly underestimate the power of CG in a movie that you don't notice. I know people have talked about, like, not necessarily actors being put in a movie like in Rage 1, um, but... Uh, what's his name? Tom Cruise. I'm falling apart this show. Tom Cruise uh, in Mission Impossible being like CGI de-aged to make him look a little mm-hmm. younger. Um, if they can swap out a dude's arms in a movie and make it look clean and you don't notice, who's to say 
Why do we even need actors now? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what it feels like we're coming up on. And and like I don't I don't know what exactly that means for the for the industry, but like I mean, how far are we from Oh god, no, it already happened. I was going to say, how far are we from an actor passes away in the middle of a shoot and they replace him with CGI to finish up the movie? And that happened in, in what Furious 7, I think right. was the one. And yeah. Rage 1. And Rage 1. Um we, we got problems, I think, uh, and, and I know it's only going to get better, and, and the CGI will look better, so you won't be able to tell, and you couldn't really tell in Furious 7, but, like, at what at what point does the art, like, turn in on itself, and, like, we don't need actors anymore to make film, and what is film, really? It's a topic for a bigger podcast, I guess. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll eventually have, like, a, like a reaction, to a backlash to that where it, it'll be, like, no CGI. And yeah. Like, <laughs> and you will he- hear he did break his arm. Right. And we're going to shoot it with his broken arm. Yeah. Like, like we, can't, we can't be that far off. Um, I, one thing I want to say, it, it's just, it, it's amazing to me that, you know, he did break his arms, and, but then continued working. And, like, we, we read stories about actors and actresses, um suffering injuries on set and p- kind of pushing through uh you mentioned mission impossible uh tom cruise broke his ankle doing this big like jump from building to building and uh like because i guess he shorts the jump and they act <laughs> it looks good and they kept it in the shot but like he got up and kept running because he was like oh i got to finish out this this scene good lord um you know on a broken ankle so it's uh it's incredible what a lot of these stars and artists will do for the craft yeah that is incredible well, I think that just about wraps up news. We should move on to our first film of the night, Gary Ross's Ocean's 8. Is it genetic? Are the whole family like this? Literally. Ocean's 8 is a star-studded heist film in the spirit of the previous Ocean's films, uh, directed by Steven Soderbergh, Ocean's 11, 12, and 13, which were, of course, reboots of the old-school Ocean's films uh, starring... Frank Sinatra as the titular Danny Ocean. This is a, I don't know the best way to say this without offending somebody. Uh, this is a female driven reboot. How about that? Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, starring a wonderful cast. Um, I, I was really pleased by them. Uh, I, I can't rattle off all of them, but the, the, the big ones, I think Sandra Bullock and Hathaway, Helena Bonham Carter, Kate Blanchett, Rihanna's in this. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, Mindy Kaling, Mindy, Mindy Kaling, Sarah Paulson, Aquafina. Sarah Paulson. You, anyway, uh, <laughs> the, the plot <laughs> of this, um, it's, let, let me get right down to it. God, I'm really struggling this show. What happened? It's to me? all right. We take a week off. We take a week we off. Get rusty. We stumble back into the studio, half drunk. Um, Ocean's Eight is the story of Debbie Ocean, Deborah Ocean, uh, played by Sandra Bullock, uh, after she gets out of prison after serving a five-year stint in the joint for, of course, <laughs> a heist gone wrong. Uh, getting out of prison, Sandra Bullock's character Debbie is looking to settle the score with not only the person who put her in prison, but also just the world, I guess, for her having to spend that time <laughs> in jail. Uh, the, the the mission, the goal, to steal the Crown Jewels Toussaint, a six-pound, like, $500 million necklace uh, right. owned by Cartier. And they're going to do it at the Met Gala when it, when they have this big showing by, by, by uh, incorporating a, a cast of, of eight characters to work alongside um, Deborah and, and, and Deborah Ocean and be her Ocean's Eight. To hopefully steal <laughs> a bunch of stuff. My God, I'm falling apart. Uh, so let's get started. Uh, Andy, what did you think of Ocean's 8? 
So I really, really liked it. Uh, I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was. It had that ocean's charm. Uh, those films, the the ones by Steven Soderbergh particularly, um, have go, kind, they've taken on an identity of their own. You know, they're they're very they're quirky. You have a really good cast. Um, they they all get along. There's a lot of laughs. The the heist is is really super complex and a little bit hard to follow. There's some you know some parts where things go wrong. There's some surprises, and so we get a lot of those same elements. Um, in this version, and it really works well. The cast is is superb, and all the characters are unique and and charming. Um, yeah, it's just a lot of fun. The, the heist, the this you know what is essentially a, a you know diamond heist um, is really intricate. And and the big thing that I like is that it's it's updated. It's not just a remake. You know, we have you know modern technology. I mean, because the first one, Ocean's Eleven, was from two thousand one. So we're here, sitting seventeen years later. You know, we have social media, we have, uh, you know, proliferation of cell phones, we have 3D printers. And so a lot of today's modern technology is incorporated into this film um, as well, which I thought was really cool. Um, But yeah, I had a lot lot of fun, great soundtrack, uh, and it was really surprising. I mean, I didn't think it was going to be bad, but it's better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I don't want to say it's better than it deserved to be because I think it deserves to be as good as it is. Um, I think Ocean's 8 was really charming. It it was exactly what I wanted. Um, I I like a smart heist movie. I think most people do. Um, we We like feeling as if we're in on the joke. And that's what a heist movie is, right? You're you're in on the bit. You're in on this brilliant scheme that other people have worked out and you get to just be along for the ride as they as they try to pull it off. Um, and, and in that way, I think this movie worked. The, the only real complaints I had about it came in some choices of direction, and it was directed by Gary Ross, who formerly is a writer of a lot of big stuff, including Tom Hanks's Big um, and some other stuff that I can't think of off the top of my head. Andy's pulling it up right now. It'll be great. He'll yeah. save me. <laughs> um, the, there, were, there were some weird stylistic choices in the way it was filmed and put together. And I thought there were some jumps that didn't really give me enough time to get to know characters. But for what it's worth, the movie doesn't overstay its welcome. It's smart. It's 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 effective writing. Uh, the characters are written pretty well, and I thought they were all played great. Um, I enjoyed Ocean's 8. So, uh, to start to dig into what I want to talk about, do you mind if I jump Go on ahead. that? Okay, Go yeah. ahead. First, first off, the direction. And this, this comes in presentation. Uh, overall, the the writing of the movie kind of breaks into two two parts I find there's the overall story and then there's the nitty-gritty there's there's the 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 uh who's 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 where and who's talking to who and what what's the conflict well I take it back conflict is like a bigger part it's the story right the story and then like the fine stuff the conversations the dialogue like the settings like and 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 the dialogue and stuff I I liked the way the characters talk to each other and interact with each other their chemistry all felt good the overall story I, I struggled with only because I didn't feel like they had to overcome enough problems. I didn't feel like things went wrong enough. And right, like they yeah. don't have to in a heist movie. I'm biased because we live in a world after something like The Italian Job, where right at the beginning of The Italian Job, everything goes wrong, right? Like, right. that's that's kind of what you expect in a heist movie. At some point, like, uh-oh, things, we're off script now, funny. Right. Uh, <laughs> things aren't going according to plan. What do we do? You know, and like the characters have to rally and figure it out on their own. And that happens a couple times, but for the most part, it's played pretty close to the chest. Like, pretty much like the, it, the it things they hope off. will happen, happen. Yeah, yeah, it comes off, like, it's almost a little bit too easy. Almost too easy. And, like, that that comes around again at the end of the movie in, in a way that I think is satisfying, but also a little frustrating if I felt that way already. Um, 
yeah, it, it comes off as like too clean. And I get Debbie Ocean had five years to plan this in prison and get it all worked out. That's great. But like, it's almost too good. Yeah, like I get, yeah. I get to the end, I'm like, there almost wasn't enough struggle. Like it was almost too easy. And I think there's a couple reasons for that. I think you want to present your characters as smart, and I think you want to present them as, as, as well thought out and well planned. And I think if Ocean's 8 gets cleared for a sequel, which I would imagine it will, yeah. um, I think that's where you'll start to get that. You'll get that Empire Strikes Back kind of thing, where it's like, <laughs> now now it didn't work out for us. What do we do? Like I think that will come later. Um, but for now, this movie plays it pretty safe. Again, there's a couple hang-ups. There are. Like, uh, you, things go wrong in a heist movie, but like it doesn't. it never goes too wrong. And that... That bummed me out a little bit. What do right. you think? No, no, I I agree. Like there w- there weren't enough moments of where you know someone's g- someone has to improvise because the plan's not going. Kind of not really. There were a couple, but like yeah, everything kind of went perfectly. I don't know. Um, one thing I wanted to mention is that this is actually the most successful opening weekend for any of the Ocean's films. Yeah. Um, just just by a hair, but I mean even more successful than the original um, or the Ocean's Eleven from uh, two thousand one. Um, so that's pretty significant. So I think it's definitely going to get greenlit. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention is, you know, it's a gr- great female-led film. And, you know, in contrast to something like Ghostbusters, which went over very poorly. I mean, it's a, me- it's a mediocre film, but it's not terrible. But it had this huge kind of, <laughs> you know, like sexist, anti-feminist, sure. like, wave that hit it before. And this film had some of that, too. Um, but it... Like it's such a good movie, all that stuff like fall falls away. Yeah, I, I I wonder if people would argue that well, you know, the the oceans films weren't as as they didn't have such a, a male, a, a devout male following. And my argument to that would be like, well, I don't think Ghostbusters really did either back in the day. I don't know what happened. Um, but but either way, yeah, this is a real smart movie, and it didn't it didn't seem to have the same problems that Ghostbusters had. Maybe we're just very or Ghostbusters twenty sixteen had. Maybe we're just very um. Desen- I don't know, desensitized to it. Maybe we just didn't notice. Uh, but but for what it's worth, yeah, this is a smart female-driven film, and it works. Like, yeah, it works like really you well. Would expect Made anything a ton else of money. Would. Yeah, and it's great. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to Oceans Nine and Ten. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Which is what this, you know, it's probably going to be a trilogy. That would film. that would make sense. Um, to talk about where it came from, the films that came before, because we should get into that. This movie does a couple things to kind of reference the previous films. Uh, one, and the biggest thing I noticed, was in the editing. A lot of wacky editing. You know how yeah. Star Wars does, like, the wipes and dissolves? This does, like, crazy spin-turn casino wheel, like, editing tricks to transition between <laughs> scenes. It's very old school. It's, it's yeah. very much inspired by the previous films. And I appreciated it. It was a little heavy-handed, especially at the end end of the movie um when they they have some kind of wrap-up scenes between all of the all of the women like they do with the men in the other films where they say okay here's kind of what happens to them following this movie right like here's here's where they go and every one of those had this wacky thing where they like flip the frame a few times in front of another frame yeah it just looked real odd and like i nobody else would know or care but it was just something i like every every time it happened it took me out of it and I, i was like I, I know it's insp- it's from the older movies, but like in a way, you kind of didn't need it, and and I felt that way in the other way. This movie referenced the previous films. There's a couple mentions of of Mr. Danny Ocean, of course. Right. You can see his his grave in the trailer at the where are they crematorium moratorium? Yeah. I don't know what you call that tomb. Right. <laughs> and like that that's in here a couple times, and there's a couple like 
th- kind of throwaway lines to 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 Danny Ocean and and what what may or may not be happening uh, with him. And I thought it was really well handled the first time. And then they did it like two more times in the movie. They they mentioned him again at some point. I was like, stop! Like the, the first time was enough. It was enough. People want to know when they walk into this movie: is now Danny now Ocean picking? Right. It's true. Is Danny Ocean still alive? And like they had one like throwaway line from Sandra Bullock, like way in the beginning, like first fifteen minutes of the movie. And I thought that's great. That's great. You 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 didn't answer the question. You, you left a question mark on it. You, you said we don't know. And 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 then it came up again, and then it came up towards the end. And I was like, okay, stop. Like now, now, now you're heavy-handed. Like now you went too far. But you're right. I am nitpicking. Um, I just felt like this movie did such a great job of standing on its own. It didn't. It didn't need to call back to the original. It didn't need to say, oh yeah, here's where we came from. Like it didn't need any of that crap. Like you could have just <laughs> come out, come out swinging like you did, and it would have oh, been God. great. And I worry that the stuff that referenced the original held it down but maybe that was just for me you didn't seem to have that problem no so, so i i i had the opposite reaction um yeah. i really enjoyed uh the, the references to um the 2001 oceans 11 because it, a was a surprise and b was subtle and they didn't do it too much i mean i was i talked about last week or whenever we did solo that i was rolling my eyes every time they did something that was a reference um you know to the original trilogy because yeah. It's so heavy-handed, and it's so out of place most of the time, and it's so much of like, hey, guys, we're do- making a reference. <laughs> nudge, nudge, wink, y- wink. Y- you notice this reference right sure. now? And so, and they didn't do that. They they made some small references, and they're very important because they're actually fundamental to the plot. Yeah. They're not just there to not wink at the audience. They have purpose within the movie, and so I'm. it works so much better. Right. No, I agree. Um, I, The other thing about the film, filming the one other thing i had, I had a complaint about it was dark it's a dark movie and it was weird because the, the, the heist is set in the met gala and they're stealing diamonds you think it'd be like bright and glowy and like have a lot of saturation and it's kind of the opposite it's kind of dark um not like solo dark <laughs> there are a few things that are like solo <laughs> oh, dark. gosh yeah um but just a little it was like desaturated so very minor nitpick as far as the heist goes the writing of that What'd you think? Did you ever get lost? Did you ever feel like I don't? I was confused. Uh, no, I was able to follow it. Uh, there were several things that were a little bit. Uh, they were a little bit of a stretch of uh, you know realm of realm of belief as far as oh yeah people being manipulated. But uh, but it was it was still fine. Yeah, I I ran into that like I'm always skeptical of heist movies. But yeah, there's definitely there's a couple hangups in there where it's like there's no way that would have spun out. Um, the the way that it did in this movie, like in reality, if this was actually happening, there's no way that guy would have said that, or or this person would have done that. Like the the cards just kind of all fall into place a little too cleanly. Yeah. Um, but this isn't reality. It's a heist movie, and for what it's worth, like it's a really enjoyable experience, and it was cool watching it. Normally, I hate watching a movie uh, in a theater with a full of people. But this was a lot of people in the theater, and like it, it, the crowd rolled well with it. Yeah, everybody, yeah. you know, got a laugh when it needed a laugh. Like people, people, you know, yeah, it was good. Um, so yeah, for what it's worth, um, Ocean's Eight's great. Yeah, yeah it was, I really enjoyed it. It's it's exactly what a good summer of film should be. Lots of stars, you know, <clears throat> great production, a good fun movie. Um, the other thing they they did. Um, last thing I'll say is that um, in the original. For the 2001 version, we get a lot of uh, celebrity cameos of people playing themselves. Um, and we get a lot of that in this film as well. And I thought that was an, an also not good, nice touch. 
Yeah, there's a good handful. There's one guy towards the beginning. Well, I've talked to, to you about it after the show because I think it's kind of a spoiler that there there was a character in this movie that I couldn't think. Of. I was like, I don't know what you're from, but I assume you're from one of the previous films. But it wasn't like a particularly famous actor from the previous films. I know at some point, um, I think Matt Damon had actually gone out and shot something for this movie. Yeah, and they cut it. Yeah. So yeah, but for what it's worth, there are definitely a couple a couple of good. Uh, I believe he cameos. was cut for making controversial comments. Oh, was he really? Yes. Which Ooh, we won't get into boy. here, but um, yes. I should do more reading uh, before I bring up Matt Damon on the show. Th- that being said, Andy, would you recommend Ocean's 8? Absolutely. It's a lot of fun. It's exactly what we go to the movies for in the summer. I, I would as well. Yeah, I-, I think Ocean's 8 is worth your time. I think if you're looking for a, a smart female-driven comedy, Ocean's 8 should not only be uh, looked at to go see this summer, um, but looked at in the future when, when somebody goes, well, you know... It- People don't like seeing, like, smart female-driven films. Like, no, Ocean's 8 did great. It's a good movie. Like, it's a fun flick. Like, I, I this is a step in the right direction. So, yeah, that's Ocean's 8. Uh, next up, I think you're taking the first movie on this. Do so you want to inter- introduce the segment? It's time for the trailer part. Okay, so the first film we're going to be uh, talking about is called Widows. Uh, this trailer just came out last week. Uh, this is a new, also kind of a heist film uh, by Steve McQueen, who previously did 12 Years a Slave and uh, Hunger. Uh, it's based on the novel by Gillian Flynn, who did, uh, who wrote Gone Girl. And uh, so the plot, the plot from what I get gathered from the trailer is uh, there's these four women whose husbands are all bank robbers. And they looks like a high school's wrong. They all die, hence the title Widows. And then these four women have to kind of step up and I guess rob a bank or they owe a lot of people money apparently now that their, their husbands have died. And, um, so the, the cast, the cast of the four women are, um, Oh, Viola Davis and Michelle Rodriguez are, are two of them. Um, but it looks like a really serious drama. There, there's a lot of action and, you know, you have these kind of everyday looking women who then have to like, you know, get guns and gear and rob people and shoot people. And, you know, being by Steve McQueen, I believe it'll probably be a very serious movie with lots of, you know, kind of powerful themes. It's it's coming out in November uh, around award season. Um, so it, it looks really great. I'm really excited to see it. Yeah, I, I hadn't seen this trailer before, like just before the show. This was the first time I'd seen it when we watched it getting ready to record here. Um, just, just like Ocean's 8, like I, I think... For, for people out there who, who say, well, there's no there's no place in Hollywood for female-driven films. Like, once again, I, I think you're wrong, and I think this movie is a step towards that. Like, this looks cool. Looks great. Like, I, it looks... Do I... I think it looks good. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, do I, do I think maybe it looks a little far-fetched? Do I think the idea of uh, widows of guys who owe the mob money are suddenly required to go out and do the jobs they couldn't, and they have to arm themselves and, like, be bank robbers yeah that's a little much maybe um but that being said like just because the premise is a little far uh far reaching doesn't mean it has to be a bad movie it looks really cool looks yeah. really sharp and I, i'm excited to see steve mcqueen do a little bit more a little bit more modern all right yeah get a little mainstream i mean 12 years of slave is an incredible film but man it's it's some heavy stuff to sit through right and it's it's historical so in a way like while while his somehow it feels a little far away. It just does. Yeah, you know? no, definitely. Um, and like, certainly it's got 
<laughs> it reaches into reality in the ways, of course, that Steve McQueen intends it to, but it feels far away. And, like, I, I think seeing something modern from him, seeing a car blow up and know Steve McQueen directed that, I'm like, that. there's something to that. It's got a certain something. Uh, so I think it'll be cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Widows. It'll be nice. All right. When's that come out? Uh, November. November. Good call. You were, you were on the ball with that. I don't know when this next one comes out. The next movie is Bumblebee. This is why you're here, B. Bumblebee is the, I guess, the first in the Transformers stories kind of movies, mm -hmm. right? That's what we're going for. It's, origin story. Right. It's an origin story of one of the Transformer Transformers from Transformers, uh, the Michael Bay films. Uh, this one is based around kind of the, not the main Transformer, but the one that kind of anchors the films. He's the first one Shia LaBeouf kind of stumbles onto. He's the first one in the first film. He's in, I think, all of the other films. Yeah. Bumblebee, the yellow one. I traditionally knew him to be a Camaro. In this movie, he is a V-dub. This is set in the 80s, I think. You're right. According to you. Uh, starring Haley Steinfeld and John Cena as what might be... A bad guy. <laughs> I'm super into John Cena, the bad guy. And also Haley Steinfeld, who you wouldn't recognize with bangs, because I didn't know yeah, it was Haley I Steinfeld did, before I didn't realize said something. It, yeah, what, I didn't realize it was her in the trailer at all. Bumblebee is the, the origin story. It's how Bumblebee is found on Earth, I guess, and how he has to overcome what looks like the only other, tra the only other Transformer in the movie, Starscream, who's a bad guy, uh, is to fight him and be ready for the first Transformers <laughs> movie when Shia LaBeouf shows up in like 2006. So I guess that's what this is. That's how he got there and, and what he became. I'm not super up on the Transformers movie. I've seen like two of them, maybe right, three. Same. Maybe have, have you, how many? I've seen the, I've seen two and like a half. So I saw this trailer and I'll be honest, I roll my eyes a little bit. You, you seem more into it. <laughs> yeah. It, to me, it, it looks completely different from the other stuff. Like it looks like it's much more about like this relationship with this girl and the car and it all, everything's just a little bit more down to earth, a little bit smaller scale. Like transformers is usually this like interplanetary worldwide, like wars or battles. And this film kind of bring get, brings it down to earth. seems a lot more gr grounded and serious and it has a Christmas release date. So it might, like I said, usually that's when a little bit better films come out. So I think this is going to be something completely different. Yeah, it's a good point. And it's the director is also, he's the same director from um, Kubo and the two strings, which I, is excellent. I did want to talk about that and I'll get to the director in a second, Travis Knight. Uh, it certainly seems a little bit more emotionally driven. Um, yeah. And and you're right. It, it looks like the, the iron giant of the transformers films. It's right. the, yeah. It's like, forget about the other planets and celestial bodies and inner world. Like, forget all that. This is just like one robot on Earth with a kid. Like, it has to fight another robot. That's the movie. Like, so it seems pretty cool for what it's worth. Travis Knight, and I didn't want to talk about this. Travis Knight, I don't think he was the director on Kubo and Two Strings. According to IMDb, uh -oh. if I'm looking Did at Did I get right, that completely wrong? And I want to talk about this, all right? Because he did a lot of work with Leica, who do stop motion, some of my favorite films. He was the lead animator on Coraline. He was the lead animator on Paranorman. He's the lead animator on Box Trolls. And then for Kubo, he gets knocked down to animator. And here's my proposal. Travis wanted to be a director. Mm -hmm. I bet he wanted to be a director bad. And they were like, mm, don't know, bud. Like, you're good. <laughs> but we don't know how we feel about it. And he ended up stepping on somebody's toes somewhere. They, they knock him down to animator. He said, screw you guys. 
I'm going to make a real movie. <laughs> and he made Bumblebee. That's what I think happened. That's that's me reading between the lines. And any director filming with vengeance on his mind is the best kind of director. So for <laughs> well, what it's worth. Right. What, and one thing I, I wanted to mention about Bumblebee is it's being, being written by the same writer who will eventually write the Batgirl film. So this might be a uh, good insight into what that what we can expect from that writer. I hope so. We've spent way too much time on Bumblebee. We should move on. Uh, Andy, please, the next trailer. Now, the next trailer we're, we're talking about is Operation Finale. I beg you, do not fail. And uh, this is a, a new film by Chris Weitz, who hasn't really done too much, did about a boy back in 2002 and some other uh, lesser-known films, one of the Twilight films. Uh, the stars Oscar Isaac and Melanie, Melanie Laurent. And uh, we are hunting Nazis in this this film. Um, this looks actually very serious. It's about uh, the search for, um, I can't remember his first name, but um, Eichmann, one of the most famous um, Nazis. Adolf Eichmann. Adolf Eichmann, yeah. okay, yeah. Um, who eluded the Allies and escaped to South America in the late 40s and was uh, was on the run for, I mean, 20, 30 years, and I believe he was eventually caught. And so this is about um, that story of, of different international groups, Mossad, as well as agents in Argentina, hunting down uh, this Nazi and bringing him back to, to try. He did stand trial eventually. Um, I'm looking forward to this. And again, hadn't seen the trailer before you showed it to me. Um, it was a crazy week for trailers, and we'll have a little bit of a rundown at the end of this of what all came out that we didn't get to talk about that you should check out. Um, I, I Man, I dig a good historical drama. I do. My, my dad's a history teacher. I've always liked him. Like, the, there's, there's something about it I like, and I, I like it especially if I don't know how it turns out. Which is kind of the case with this one. I was a little worried you you were you were just explaining it to me before, but you didn't really say whether or not they catch him, uh, and that's good because uh, because <laughs> you remember the movie Foxcatcher? Yes. Yeah, I definitely Wikipedia that like <laughs> three days yourself. before the movie came out, and it says in like the first two lines exactly what happens at the end of that movie. Ruined it. Um, and I hate to do that. And I know World War II is kind of a stomping ground for stories um, that are <laughs> historical stories. What was I going to say? Stories that are set during World War II. I don't know where I was going with that. But um, this one looks really interesting because it's post-World War II. It's kind of a world recovering. Um, and it's trying to, to kind of revisit these old wounds and, 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 and do something about that. I think Oscar Isaac has got that dramatic pull. I think Ben Kingsley's fantastic. I think Melanie Laurent is typecast. Um, oh, uh, would she be in this if it wasn't for Inglorious Bastards? She was great in it. Maybe she was great in it. Um, maybe not. Uh, so it looks cool. What do you think? Um, I mean, this is a very serious subject. It looks like a very emotional movie, um, and it looks like it'll touch on themes. And I'm all about like the you know the underlying or what's kind of beneath the surface of films. And you know, it brings up a lot of things about like what is justice? Is justice delayed? Justice denied? Yeah. And the difference between well, we could just assassinate him, but we want to bring him back and have him stand trial in, in front of the whole world. And, you know, he wasn't the only p person to escape to South America. Lots of um, Nazis did it, and a lot of them were caught, but a lot of them weren't. Right. This looks like a good, old-fashioned, two-hour, 20-minute slow burn where no violence happens. <laughs> Until the last 10 minutes. Until the last 10 minutes. And and the older I get, the more I appreciate movies like that. And if that doesn't date me, I don't know if anything does. Uh, the last movie, you have anything else you want to say about it? That, no. All Go right. ahead. The last movie we have to talk about is First Man. You're a bunch of boys. You don't have anything under control. 
is the new Damien Chazelle film, who is the hottest director this side of Hollywood, starring Ryan Gosling in the, in the titular role as Neil Armstrong on his way up to the moon. Uh, this is the story of Neil getting ready to go to and walk on the moon as the first man to do so. He is married to Claire Foy in the movie, uh, and those are about the two actors and actresses I know. Um, I'm, 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 I'm into it. And, and in a weird way, I'll tell you what got me excited about this movie, Hidden Figures. <laughs> you know okay. what I'm talking about? Because uh, Hidden Figures, I'm pretty sure, has Neil Armstrong in it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he's like this just kind of strapping young lad, strapping right? young dude. And I was like, huh, that's kind of interesting. It's weird they didn't make a movie about him. And then I remembered they're making this movie and that'll be cool. Uh, Damien Chazelle did Whiplash and La La Land. I was a tremendous fan of Whiplash. Not so much of La La Land, despite the fact that it won more accolades. It's a personal thing. Don't worry about it. Uh, I'm into it. What do you think? So if it was any other director, I don't think I would be because it looks so much like Apollo 13. Very much so. Um, because it's about the story of going to the moon and a lot of the danger involved in that. Like now when we see these big kind of rocket projects, uh, they see, they tend to go right more than they go wrong. And so the danger of it, it isn't real to us. But when they were first launching the, the space program, it wasn't quite successful. I mean, Apollo one is when three astronauts died because there was a fire on the ground and then they couldn't open the door. So there was real danger um, at this point in, in the space race. And so the film seems to ca- want to capture that, like talk about all the problems, how all these things could go wrong, how they're not coming back. Um, and like I said, that's very similar to Apollo 13, but I have enjoyed everything that Damien Chazelle has done in the last uh, few years. And so because of him and Ryan Gosling, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm look. I'm, I man, I want to. I want to see some 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 angry fights and some tears and 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 but Neil Armstrong hopping on the rocket with his wife still angry at him and not knowing if he's coming back or not. Like that'll be classic Damien Chazelle like emotion that that that, that I dig. Um, I, I think it'll do well. I'm, I'm really really pleased by the. Uh, I think it's like the B side poster. I don't know if you've seen that one. It's like a rocket going up in the clouds. It's his mm-hmm. first man under plume of smoke. It's just cool looking. I don't know. Damon Giselle's always had that that <laughs> sense of. Let me gush on him for a second. Always had that sense of like scale of like a person is a person and like a genre or an art is bigger than them and they are a very small part of something much larger and like this movie seems to like capture that. Will Ryan Gosling talk in this film? If there's a hype train, <laughs> I'm on it for this movie. Yeah, seriously. Will Ryan Gosling speak? In First Man, uh, a topic <laughs> in front of the time, but we'll cover it on this show. Before we jump out of the trailer park and into Hereditary, we should cover the other movies on this list. Because yeah. there were there were a f- man, there were a, a lot of trailers that came out this week, and we had to we had some some heavy decision making to decide what we we're going to talk about on this show. Um, please, do, do you do you mind? Yeah, I, so this, I don't have it pulled this up, week, which we didn't talk about, and which many people probably have already seen. Uh, the Lego Movie Two, the second part. Uh, Wreck-It Ralph 2, Ralph Breaks the Internet, A Star is Born, uh, which is a country western film starring Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. Directed by Bradley Cooper. Oh, right. Um, Which actually looks uh, really good. Um, The Sisters Brothers, which is a comedy western with Joaquin Phoenix and uh, John C. Riley, And Jake Gyllenhaal. Right. Yeah, and Riz Ahmed. Yeah. And uh, Mortal Engines, which is some YA trash. That <laughs> <laughs> you were so into that an hour ago, and then you found out it was YA, and you're just all over it now. 
Yeah, uh, there was a, a really neat teaser for this about six months ago, and then I saw the trailer and I read more of what it was about, and I was like, I'm definitely skipping that. And it it, uh, it just looks extremely tree cliche. Yeah. Anyways, Mortal Engines, YA stuff, uh, and then another uh, a film called Serenity, starring Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway, um, which it's some sort of deceptive drama. You know who's who's working who who's deceiving who. Um, looks really serious. Looks really good. The, McC- the McConaissance is coming back. Yeah, that's right. That's right. McConaissance 2018. Uh, a Star is Born. D- does it look good? Does it? So I does, does it. Though? I I didn't I didn't like it the first time, but then they played the trailer on the big screen when I saw yeah. Ocean's Eight, and I really liked it. It looks yeah, it looks okay. Uh, I, and uh, and that, I think that might be Lady Gaga's first like really major role in a film. Right. She looks incredible. Bradley Cooper, and maybe this is the point of the movie and, like, his character, because he's supposed to be, like, a country music whatever, but, like, he looks like he is constantly hammered and and bloated and crappy. And, like, maybe that's the point of his character, but, like... I think so. Yeah, he just looks sunburnt, and, like, he's got this, this goofy accent. I was like, man, you do not look great. But it's called A Star is Born. Clearly, he's not the star being born. Like, it is what it is, I, I think, and maybe that's the point of the movie. Like, maybe that's... that's uh me me falling for marketing i don't know but one of the things i read i read about that film was that lady gaga made him agree to actually sing all their scenes live so that they would have a more kind of authentic performance so he had to take vocal lessons for like a year yeah and so all the singing is done live and not like lip synced Uh, i thought that was pretty cool i still haven't seen the trailer for lego movie 2 I'm probably going to go see it. Like, come on. I really liked it. <laughs> yeah. That and Lego Batman were great. The first one was great. Yeah, Lego Batman was worth watching. I I, I missed the Ninja one, but like, yeah, I'm going to go see it. It's fine. Um, Rugger Ralph 2 looks great. I haven't seen Mortal Engines. Serenity looks intriguing. I don't know. That's that's it. Anyway, mini trailer work. Uh, the last movie of the show. Um, you have agreed to take this one very generously. Andy, it is an honor, sir. Take <laughs> Take it away. So our next film is Hereditary. At the end. Um, and this is A24's new horror picture um, starring Tony Collette, uh, Gabriel Byrne, and Alex Wolf, among others. Um, so I first saw a trailer for this uh, a couple of months ago, six months ago, um, and it just looks terrifying. And I had no idea what it was about from the trailer. So I'll, I'm not going to s- speak too much about the plot. Right. We we covered it on the show for the Peter Rabbit thing. Right. <laughs> right. Because it ran. The trailer ran in front of Peter Rabbit and freaked everybody out. Yeah. So the story is about uh, this family who, at the beginning of the film, um, has just lost the gr- the grandmother, the matriarch of the family. Uh, Tony Collette is the mother. Gabriel Burns, the father. They have a son and daughter, played by Alex Wolf, and newcomer Millie Shapiro. Um, we learn at the very beginning. It starts with a funeral. No one really gets along. Uh, we get that. Th- we get the idea that the relationships were incredibly strained between everyone in the family and the mother. Um, which we slowly, throughout the rest of the film, get more and more details on. Um, we also learn that the family itself is kind of dysfunctional, and you know we have teenage son, and then, I mean teenagers are, are tough to deal with. Uh, kind of distant daughter, father who would rather just not deal with any of these problems, and uh, Tony Collette who's trying to keep it all together, and her her character um, builds uh, miniature uh, models mm-hmm. uh, for a living. Um, she does she sells them but she also kind of makes some that are more personal um which has uh, elements in the film anyways that's the setup and that's really all i want to say i don't really want to 
talking more about the plot. Um, this was really terrifying. This was was really <laughs> scary. I, I was really skeptical because I was I was hearing that it was super scary, and I was hearing oh it kept making comparisons to The Exorcist, and I was saying no, no, it's not. It 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 can't be that scary. It really was. It, and it, it it's smart and it's it it has a very complex plot as well that all plays into it. It it takes its time. Uh, the first two acts actually move a little bit slow, but it builds character, it builds tension, and I've said this before: good horror is all about atmosphere and mood and making you not not jump jump in fear, but just making you afraid for long periods of time, making you feel unsettled and on edge. And this is exactly what this film does. Okay, now it's my turn. Here we go. Um, <laughs> Sorry. No, 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 no. I, I'm I jump, chomping at the bit here. Uh, when we were deciding how to lay this show out, typically how we do it is we, we, we figure the more popular movie should go first, right? The movie that people know better and like the, maybe the artsy stuff, the stuff we're super into should go <laughs> at the end for like the devotees, right? The people who are truly fans of the bold cinema and hereditary, my friends, is worth every every second of your time. This movie was so cool, man. <laughs> like in, in an age of horror movies that just come and go and are so blase and bland and jump scare forgettable, hereditary draws a line in the sand and it, it, it takes two freaking hours to build up to, to incredible stuff. And like it is, it is long and it is drawn out and it is, it is totally worth it. I, I, I agree um, it's it's got some issues. It does. It is mm -hmm. it is slow to start. It is a slow burn, Very. and it, it it just breadcrumbs out tension just slowly. Um, but it starts to pick up, and then like the ball starts rolling, and it just goes faster and faster and faster. And before you know it, just like any good horror movie, you're just hoping the credits show up. Like please, <laughs> please end and like get me out of this nightmare, man. This movie was great. I I I love your 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 description of the plot because i i knew as little as possible going into this movie i had started to look up a, a synopsis and i thought you know what no 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 if i'm gonna go see like a scary movie i should go in fresh that's the way to go i, I don't want to know too much about it and like even synopses that have been put out since are not that detailed the less you know about it like any good horror movie the better like andy's description was plenty for you to go see it if it even remotely interested you it's worth your time um, where I want to start with this is Ari Aster, the director. This is his directorial debut. It is incredible for a first yes. time. Yeah, for a first swing at the ball. He's done some shorts, but for the first feature, there's some really good stuff. The only, only like, well, first things I liked, um, this really cool effect with the camera. It, it, they, they did this kind of Evil Dead, it comes at night thing where the camera kind of moved independently of the characters sometimes. And it's really effective because he's got this really like really slick mechanical approach to it where it's not like it's locked down on a tripod and it's on a dolly, but it'll make like multiple moves. The camera will be rotating and then we'll start to dolly during a rotation and you just get this really cool kind of astral floaty feeling like as the camera just floats through like we'll zoom in on something specific um, really cool feeling, and and that's through a lot of the movie. The light is used really well. The set decoration is great. Placement of characters is fantastic. Um, the only real slight in direction would be a couple of the actors um, in a couple scenes were a little unbelievable for me. Specifically, the character of Peter, played by Alex Wolf. Uh, when that guy's sad, it was a tough sell. Like he's supposed to be this older kind of kind of 
character, teenager that's like removed from his parents, kind of far away. And like when he's sad, like the way he cries is a little weird. That was it. That was the <laughs> only thing that I was like, oh, I wish that was better. Other than that, everything else I liked. What do you think? So one of the things I think this movie did really, really great is that it keeps you guessing the whole time. Mm. I kept trying to decide what kind of horror movie it was going to be. Like, you know, I was like, oh, it's going to be Haunted House. No, it's going to be a ghost story. No, it's going to be Psychotic Family Member. No, it's going to be Demonic Possession. No, it's going to be like, and it didn't turn, it's kind of an amalgamation of everything. It borrows yeah. from, you know, all the horror genre, genres I just mentioned. Uh, plus individual films. I mean, you can sit there and pick out all all the references. And on paper, that doesn't sound like it would work. It's that kind of sounds like a disaster. Saying I'm going to make a horror movie and put everything, every horror thing I've seen in it. Um, but it really works, and it does just enough from kind of all these different genres to keep you guessing and to just make something completely different. And arguably, when you get to the end of the movie, depending on how serious you take, like, fan theories, you can make some cases for different ways this movie could have ended. Like, you really can. When I, because I, like, driving home the whole time, I was thinking, was like, was that, like, was the way I saw it what actually happened? Or was I seeing one character's perception of events? Like, was it not really what I thought? Maybe it worked out this way. Maybe this could be explained this way. And maybe that's not how it actually went. And, like... The movie keeps you guessing the whole way, and that's fantastic. It keeps you on your toes. You're never, you're never truly at ease, even when it's like daylight and the characters are together <laughs> having fun. Even then, it's like mm, I don't know. Like I feel like something's gonna go wrong here. Something can happen, and like it's just such a great job of just slowly bringing you in further and further, like Pennywise trying to get Georgie into the into the storm drain. Right. Like just slowly brings you in, like and then it it nails you at the end and it's it's great i mean it nails you a couple times at the movie but <laughs> yeah. like really the ending like any good horror movie is where the things happen um yeah i mean like i said it took a while to get going but then once it did i wanted to tap out like i was like I'm, oh man I've, I've had enough oh yeah i i was i was doing that thing like where i was like scratching my face and like kind of scratch my forehead <laughs> like hiding behind my hand like good lord it was rough the people sitting next to me in the theater like there was this couple and the beginning of the movie they're like sitting there legs crossed like ooh, this is gonna be a great time at the cinema and by the end they're like hugging each other like jesus when is this gonna be over um man fantastic and like really just really well put together not fantastic in the way of something like paranormal, paranormal activity is fantastic because like oh it had a couple really good scares this movie could arguably be written closer as like a drama really yeah like at its core like there's way more drama than there is horror here but like that's part of what makes it so effective is is the parts that are dramatic are incredibly moving and emotional and like you you get diverted towards that like you you kind of fall into that trap and then it pulls back the curtain and reminds you like nope this is still a scary movie like you 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 thought it was one way and it's not and like it's fantastic and it's really well done um for the limited cast for the very few members of the cast all fantastic i think right yeah my my only my only complaint would be alex wolf only when he's expressing one emotion because when he's scared it works like it's only when he's sad about something which is a bummer um Man, I I, I, uh, I don't know. You gotta take this away from me. For a minute. <laughs> yeah. So you were, you were talking about some of the discussion. Um, I've been reading lots of comments in uh, the Reddit thread, 
And it, it's really amazing the amount of just discussion that, that the movie's generated because uh, the plot is, is uh, like I said, I'm not going to get into it anymore, but it is fairly complex, and there's uh, a number of things which are ambiguous, a lot of details that are said in dialogue that might be easily missed or things that you see that might be easily missed. And so there's tons of, of discussion going on about what things mean or what actually happened or some of the backstory things. And it's, it's really fasc- fascinating and kind of plays into the lore of the film. I, I, I would put this in the realm of something like Get Out because it almost feels like a postmodern horror film. And the reason I say that is because there were definitely a handful of times watching this movie I, a character would turn really fast or hear something across the room. And I'd think, oh, here comes the jump scare. And like, Hereditary is too smart for that. And I okay. love it. Yeah, they they don't they don't pull that crap on you. It's like, no, 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 no. Like you thought it was going to be that, but it's not. And like, the way the movie plays with your expectations of what you think a horror movie will be, are really clever. And it's just super self aware in that way. Like they knew, like you said, they they had all these kind of tributes to previous horror films. I know. When, after we saw it, we were both rapping about what this looked like and what that was supposed to be. Um, yeah, it re- that was the other thing. I mean, it stayed with me. I was creeped out like the rest of the night. Oh, yeah. Like every, and, yep. and the movie does this, it, it plays with the idea of, you know, of your mind playing tricks on you. It's like, you know, that, that coat that's draped over the chair, is that really a coat or is there someone standing there? Sure. You know, those things that we've all done in the night, like it plays on that as well, where sometimes it's just a coat, sometimes, well, maybe it's not. Yeah. Um. And I, it, I don't want to get into the scares too much, but they work because there there are maybe one or two jump scares. The rest are legitimately terrifying things that either, like, you'll see something that the character on screen doesn't see or there's just really disturbing imagery or some... I mean, a lot of it's just prolonged, like, characters trapped in situations they can't escape. Like, it's it does all these great things to scare you besides just jump out at you out of nowhere. And there's that clever... That, that clever... Um kind of device of of the miniature houses. I want to dig into that for a second. Like the way the movie kind of pulls back from itself um, and and has this kind of stark look at what's happening um, is really clever. And and they, they play it up in a couple ways. You've got, you've got the miniature houses that'll kind of cut between and like these, these pans through her Tony Collette's like hobby room where she makes these things. And also a couple of really clever shots um, that I want to, they're worth mentioning. These like, Tilt shift shots. Yeah, yeah. These these exterior shots of, of like uh, Charlie, the little girl's like treehouse or like the 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 family's house. It'll be an exterior shot and it'll be tilt shifted to look miniature. It's really clever. Yeah, yeah. And there's a couple other match on action shots that, like I said, the lighting is fantastic in this movie. It's got that Babadook effect where like you kind of think you see things in the dark, but maybe you don't, or maybe you do. Um, and that's really effective. Um, Gosh, I, 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 I don't have enough good things to say about it. Like I said, uh, is it the greatest horror movie of all time? No. Um, in, in, in Would I... It's probably going on like a top 10 list this year for me. Yeah, easy. Yeah. Like I, I enjoyed it so much. Like in, in a way, I haven't enjoyed a horror film in a theater in a long time. Uh, the, the last thing I wanted to say is that, you know, th- I think there are a lot of underlying meanings in the film, which I haven't quite figured out yet and i mean there's things the, like the miniatures that she builds it that never really explains why these are in the film and they're very important and there's a lot but there's a lot of interpretation there and same thing with it, the interpretation of the title of the film hereditary i've seen lots of different interpretations of what that may or may not mean um and that's just another you know ha- hallmark of really good cinema and good horror is like w- 
what are the interpretations of these things? Right. You, you know it's good when you're, when you're thinking to yourself, I want to go back a second time and see if I get more from it. If you can return to that well and, like, there's still something to be gleaned, like, that, there's something to be said about that. And this movie's got that in spades. It's worth watching a second time, maybe even a third, if you can stand it because it's scary. Yeah. Um, even knowing some of this stuff's coming, I feel like watching this a second time around, I'm going to be, like, Yeah, oh, I'm not going to remember it, no, I, all yeah. the scares. Um, there was one other thing. Oh, right. I, I wanted to touch on the, the underlying plot, right? The the underlying why is all of this happening to the family? And I don't want to dig into why. I just want to talk about somehow by the end of this movie, and I, and I, I, I struggle to explain why, and the closest I can relate it to is, is Ridley Scott. And I'll, I'll say why in a second. By the time it explained why everything was happening, I almost didn't care. And, and that's awful, but like in the same way, Ridley Scott has been struggling to explain where the alien came from in his alien movies and like why the alien is a scary thing. And like, just like Ridley Scott, like you don't, you don't have to explain where the alien and alien comes from. It doesn't matter. Like what matters is the crew of, of the, of, of the, the Stromos Stromos uh, has to deal with it. And that's it. Like that's, that's, that's the setup. Like it kind of doesn't matter where the alien came from. And in a way, by the end of Hereditary, I felt the same way. I'm like, honestly, you could just cut to black. You don't need it. Like, you you, you have presented such a great set piece and setting and characters and plot to have all of this tension in the theater. Like, I felt like I could cut it with a knife. Like, you almost don't have to explain it. Like, you, you've, you've outdone yourself. Your reputation precedes you. Um, and it didn't disappoint but it was almost it had it, it's almost like a soft landing to a right. very bumpy ride you know what i mean yeah yeah it was oh and here's how it all happens it's like oh i mean the, well that's the, cool the only the only reason yeah. that i didn't mind that is because i i think it's directly referencing another cl- horror classic i think that's true yes uh again a few but but one specifically right that yes. seems to be the one all the articles cite we won't give it away on this show um andy would you recommend Hereditary? Yes, with some <laughs> some stipulation. Sure. If you, I mean, if you're a fan of horror, you like being scared. Um, this is definitely the film for you. Uh, definitely, don't take your kids. Um, if you are not a fan of horror, I know some some people don't like. Some people they get anxious. They don't want to be scared. They don't want to be put in that position. If that's you, then definitely avoid this. This isn't like a casual horror that you can you kind of not be scared through. Like you're going to be terrified. Yeah, I, I, I would say yes, absolutely as well, with some caveats. Uh, I would say yes, go see this movie if you're an appreciator of bold cinema. And and by that, I mean... <laughs> here, if, here. Yeah, if, if you're willing to sit down and watch a movie by yourself with the lights off and take the time to kind of see what it means to you and like how you interpret what you see on screen, if you, if you can appreciate a movie not for being a movie but for being a film, Hereditary is absolutely worth your time even if you're not that much of a horror fan because it's so well put together if you like casual horror like paranormal activity or maybe even something like insidious and you like going and seeing it with your friends and laughing and joking do not go see this movie it's not for you like it just isn't it this is not a casual horror flick this is not like ooh, fun really comes out to- around halloween like no th- this is cerebral you really got to pay attention. It is quiet. It is a long, slow burn to get to the end. Um, but it is 
totally worth it if you're paying attention and you're tuned in. If you're sitting in a dark theater watching it or at home, maybe with a good set of headphones, if you don't have surround sound, like sitting in the dark, watching it again alone, or at least not talking to who's around you, absolutely worth your time. If you're hanging out and joking with your friends, you're going to think it's stupid. That That's what I think, right? Like that seems yeah. to, yeah. You're going to think it's dumb. You're going to be like, this isn't really going anywhere. Like, and there's, there, again, a lot of subtle things that happen in this movie. It's it's just really clever filmmaking and really well put together. So that's hereditary. And I think that about wraps our show, Andy. Yeah, I think we're. I think that's uh, that's it for this week. That's about it. Uh, next week on the docket, we're going to be back. Honest this time, like we're <laughs> we're actually going to do a show. Uh, next week, Incredibles two and Ladybird on Amazon, right? Amazon Prime, yep. Amazon Prime. I have dodged watching that movie all this time. It's finally <laughs> going to happen. Saoirse Ronan. It's going to be great. Uh, is that his name? Saoirse. Saoirse? Every time. Uh, if you want to get involved with the show, check out our website at offscriptfilmreview.com and email us at mail at offscriptfilmreview.com uh, to let us know what's up, whether or not you liked our reviews, what you thought of the movies we talked about, or maybe movies we missed. Um, if you'd like to hear us talk about something, uh, let us know and get involved. Also, feel free to leave a rating and review on iTunes. I promise it helps. It takes two seconds. You can do it. I believe in you. Just hit that hit that five-star <laughs> button. Make it happen. Even four stars. I guess I'm cool with that. Not, It's fine. Anyway, uh, four... Is there anything else I'm missing? No, I think is it. A, just a hell of a week for me. Uh, four off-script film review. The home of Bold Cinema. I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Thanks for listening.